The world of agriculture technology is vast and constantly evolving, with new innovations and companies emerging at a rapid pace. At AgTech Media Group, we understand the importance of staying updated and connected in this dynamic industry, and that's why we're thrilled to announce the launch of our new AgTech Company Directory, a comprehensive and user-friendly resource designed to help you navigate the complex landscape of AgTech innovators. More than just a list, it's a curated collection of companies leading the charge in transforming the AgTech sector from startups pioneering new farming methods to established companies adopting cutting-edge technologies. Our directory spans a wide range of leaders dedicated to advancing agriculture through technology. Whether you're a farmer looking for the latest in crop monitoring tools, an investor seeking promising ag tech startups, or a researcher interested in sustainable farming practices, ag tech directory is designed to cater to your specific needs. You can filter by sector, technology, size, or location to find exactly what you're looking for. To learn more and to claim your company listing, visit agtechcompanies.com. If you are starting a vertical farm and don't know where to begin or which technology would suit your needs, then reach out to the experts at Cultivated. As indoor farm brokers, they help connect you to the right technology and ensure your project is successful. Best of all, their service is free because they work on behalf of their partners. Visit cultivated.com to learn more. And that's spelled C-U-L-T-I-V-A-T-D.com or click the link in the show notes. It's strange. It always kind of came natural to me. It's really like my favorite thing. I think I just like connecting and making new relationships and bonding with people. And so there's something to it that there's a really personal aspect. Obviously with this, there's a bonus of you're selling something that's actually helping to heal the world. And so that obviously helps a lot. Welcome to the Vertical Farming Podcast, weekly conversations with fascinating CEOs, founders, and ad tech visionaries. Join us every week as we dive deep into the world of vertical farming with your host, Harry Duran. Vertical Farming Podcast Season 3. Welcome back. If this is your first time listening, welcome new listeners. This is the show where we interview fascinating CEOs and founders of the leading vertical farming companies from around the world. I'm your host, Harry Duran. In case you missed last week's episode, we had a great conversation with Nicholas Steiner, CEO of Moliar. And for those that are new to the term, we got to learn all about nanobubbles. So make sure you check out that episode. This week, I speak with Eric Levesque, co-founder of Cultivated. It's an organization that works with a wide range of industry-proven technology partners to provide the best fit for a project's needs. You might recognize the name from the beginning of the podcast episode, as Cultivated is actually a sponsor for this season. They provide farming guidance, design consulting, and lending and leasing services to their clients. And in this episode, Eric and I talk about how the pandemic has impacted our food supply chains and the desperate need for our society to solve these issues. We talk about Eric's time at Zipgrow and the need for indoor and outdoor ag to coexist and what the future holds for cultivated and ag tech in general. This episode is also brought to you by the Vertical Farming Weekly Newsletter. Each week, our team member Daniel Dre scours the ends of the earth to bring you some of the latest and greatest news in the world of vertical farming. Sign up today at verticalfarmingweekly.com. Don't forget, if you enjoyed this episode or past episodes, I'd love it if you leave a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP. I'd love to read yours out next. Okay, let's get into this conversation with Eric. So Eric Levesque, co-founder and VP of Business Development and Sales at Cultivated. Thank you for joining me on the Vertical Farming Podcast. Thanks for having me. So where's home for you as of this recording? We are in Ottawa, or near Ottawa, sorry, Ontario, Canada. And uh, did you grow up there? Yeah, I am born and raised. We're actually in a small city called Cornwall, about 50,000 people. 
I left a little bit for school, but pretty much been here my whole life. What's your fondest memory of growing up in Cornwall? Probably sports, played a lot of sports, varsity sports around here. So that would have to be it. And um, are you still a sports fan? Yeah, huge sports fan. Absolutely. So as of this recording, we're in February 2021. How has life changed for you and how have you adjusted since, you know, we're coming almost on a year since COVID hit? Yeah, it's been kind of a wild ride. We actually just left our second lockdown on the 18th. We went into lockdown, I believe, on December 23rd or 24th for the second time. They just lifted us back to orange, uh, whatever that means. I think it's just small public gatherings, about 25% capacity for restaurants and such. But yeah, it's been trying. It's been a little taxing, I guess, but I consider myself lucky in terms of you know this whole pandemic. What was the impact to what the business when COVID hit? So when COVID hit is about the time we started. Yeah. So there was a lot of working from home, but it kind of gave us the opportunity to really see that the demand in food supply and food chains really needed some work. I think it kind of opened a lot of people's eyes. And so because of that, I think, I don't want to call it a silver lining. That seems a little too much, but it has been good for the industry as a whole. I think the consistent thread in the communications I've had since then were about the awareness that it brought to our food supply and people's proximity to food. And I think it was top of mind for obviously everyone in this industry. But I think because of the impacts to the supply chains and people not having access to fresh food, it's been more noticeable since COVID. And I'm wondering if there's anyone that you've been speaking with or people who are in your close circle that have noticed that the topic of indoor farming, controlled environment agriculture is more top of mind lately. Yeah, we've seen a lot more inquiries. I think this industry is still relatively new, right? So there's been a lot of interest. And even though we've just scratched the surface, the industry has been growing really rapidly. But I think this has kind of put a lean on that in terms of People are really realizing now there is an issue and the world has to trend in this direction. Obviously, the lack of arable land and water is is an issue. But uh, something like this pandemic obviously sheds light on what the world needs in terms of fresh supply of food, obviously. When, for you, was this something that became an interest? Was it uh, something that you knew just going into college? It's something you would study? Or is it something that over time, because of what you were getting exposed to, that you were becoming more aware of this? So I actually was not aware, if I'm being honest. I kind of just bumped into this. My partner and co-founder of Cultivated, Eric Bergeron, actually introduced me to the system a few years ago, the Zipro system, which is just another vertical farming system. And he had become the Canadian redistributor for Bright Agrotech, which was founded by Nate Story. I'm sure you've touched on that in some previous episodes. And so when I went to see the system, he was kind of explaining it to me. I didn't really understand the gist of it until I saw it in real time. And I fell in love right away. I just saw it and I was like, wow, I can't believe that this even exists. The world is going to need this. And I literally told him I'll be here tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. And that's how we started. What were you working on at the time? I was kind of bouncing from sales jobs doing startup consultancies kind of stuff. And so I was basically available to start and he was looking for someone to head the sales department for the company. And obviously, if you know the history of Bright Agritech, they had a really good base of customers and of knowledge that they had put out there. So we had a quite the runway to start Zipgrow in Canada, obviously. How did you two meet? 
we actually met playing soccer. We played soccer together for a dozen years or so. And so, yeah, we just kind of touched on it. He actually purchased a freight farm, the first freight farm in Canada. That's how he began his whole venture into this and then designed his own container company, which then evolved into wanting the project to be a bit less niche. And so he partnered with the Red Agritech to launch the Grow in Canada. And then that's when I came on board. Since you had been friends for that long, was he ever talking about it? And you were just, you know, maybe while you were playing or something, then keep bringing it up? Yeah. When he launched his freight farm, I actually ended up buying some produce from him, some kale and some basil in his first harvest just to kind of support him. I don't think I was even aware that kale was a thing back then. But I guess I didn't really realize the impact of what he was doing. I hadn't dug into it more than that. I thought it was cool at the time, but I was doing a different venture at that time. So we didn't really get into it, but that's how it happened. And then talk a little bit about your time at Zipgrow. You were there almost three years and working in business development, and you were introduced to Zipgrow through your partner as well? Yeah, correct. So he basically had founded that company. He had another partner that was an investor. They were basically running it alone, but they had just just started. This was about the exact time that Brad Agritech bought up at Plenty. So they gave the rights to the entire Bright Agritech system to Zipgrow Canada and Zipgrow basically took over what Bright Agritech was under a different name. Mm. And so I came on board to head up the sales. They hadn't really done any sales as of yet, but obviously the marketing and everything from Bright Agritech carried over. And so we had quite the launch pad, like I was saying. So everything went really smoothly there. When I came on board, sales started coming through right away. We had a list of clients that was really long and they were they knew what they were getting into to begin with. So the education process was not so large. So the sales started coming in really quickly and the company grew. We grew like crazy for the first, uh, like you said, I was there for about two and a half years. I think we got from two employees to nearly 30 in that time. Wow. So, yeah. Did you come from a sales background? Yeah, I've done sales previously. And so that's kind of what I wanted to focus on. They didn't have anybody with the sales type background, I guess. So that's what interested me the most. And so there was a learning curve for me, obviously. But once I got the hang of it, we really hit the ground running. I recently had a conversation with Alison Kaw from Artemis. And one of the things she talked about was um, rushing a little bit too much into bringing a sales team on board because in the beginning, that was not her skill set. But I think one of the things you learn as an entrepreneur, the tough thing to learn sometimes is you actually have to learn how to do all the things yourself first <laughs> before you could figure out whether it makes sense to hand off something like that. And so it's something that I've been thinking of as an entrepreneur as well, like learning like the basics of selling. And unless you've been trained on it or had experience with it, I think most entrepreneurs are really uncomfortable when it comes to selling. So that's why I was asking, you know, how long you'd been doing it as well. Yeah, that's actually, it's strange. It always kind of came natural to me. It's really like my favorite thing. I think I just like connecting and making new relationships and bonding with people. And so there's something to it that there's a really personal aspect. Obviously with this, there's a bonus of you're selling something that's actually helping to heal the world. And so that obviously helps a lot. But yeah, I was always pretty good at it. I, I was fortunate. The opportunity when it came, obviously, everything just went so well. And the staff that we hired to help grow Zipro was out of this world. Everyone was such a team player and it was a really good atmosphere. So I think that obviously translated into the success that we had. Do you remember the first thing you ever sold? Yeah. The first thing that I did sell was about a month and a half in, and it was a complete farm package that we had just basically redesigned from Red Agritech. And it went to Kansas, I believe. 
Was this something that you were doing since you were a childhood? Did you have a lemonade stand growing up? Or paper, <laughs> no, paper, no, paper I, out? <laughs> I definitely did not. Yeah, I didn't envision myself landing here. But soon as we started, I knew right away this was for me and that I would be in business for the rest of my life, definitely. What was different about working at ZipGrow than any of the previous engagements you had? Because it feels like you had more of a vested interest in the success of ZipGrow. Yeah, I think I just saw a future for myself there. Obviously, when I came on, I was kind of on the ground floor. So my ideas were valued in a way that I felt like they maybe hadn't been in previous positions. You know, my opinion was taken seriously. And I obviously, I think that's what basically everyone aspires to have in, in a workplace. So it really was nice to be able to contribute something and then to see the efforts when you're starting in a tiny company like this and then growing it to the scale that we did in such a short period of time. It's a really amazing feeling to see that the effort that you contribute every day is leading to something really tangible that you can, that you can see. And had you had prior experience in working for like a bigger company, like a corporation with like hundreds or thousands of employees? I had, but I, I always thought I, I would be able to climb the ladder and succeed a little bit more than I had been given the opportunity to. And it seemed like some of these companies, because I hadn't gotten in on the ground floor, it was harder to get the opportunity to show that you were capable of being in the upper echelon, so to say. And then, so with this one, the way it worked out, I, I was able to climb the ranks and kind of stay at the top. And so it really made me want to stick around and made me want to give it my all. I've heard from people that have had experience in corporate, and I was in corporate almost 20 years as well, so I can definitely relate, that once you're in the startup environment, there's no looking back. There's no way you can go to like the regiment of having like the meetings and the bosses and the different levels of management because it feels like, and you can tell me if this is true, but at ZipGrow, it feels like every day is a new challenge and a new experience. Yeah, that's absolutely what I loved about it. So every single day, especially in the beginning, it just seems like there's 300 new problems to solve. And so you never have the same the same day twice. And every little win is just so monumental at that stage, just, you know, closing a tiny sale, or just bringing the right person on board or every day, there's just tiny little challenges, but solving those problems keeps your day so entertaining. And the days just fly by because every day is something brand new. And you were learning the industry at the same time. So talk a little bit about you know how that was, because not only do you need to execute on your day-to-day responsibilities, but also learn about the industry you're in as well. Yeah. So I was a little possessed, I guess you could say, when I came into it. I love to learn and I love to read. And so I just found every article I could about every single company and I just dug in. And then my co-founder is also, he's been in the industry a lot longer than I have. And so I just picked his brain day in and day out. I think uh, I was driving him a bit crazy in the beginning, but it led to some pretty good successes. So probably worth it in the long run. Yeah, I can imagine in the beginning, you were probably asking him, how do you do this? And why do you do this? And why do we do this? And what's this about? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly how it was. So you're two and a half years into ZipGrow. Tell me when the idea for Cultivated started to brew. So even though things were going really well at ZipGrow, unfortunately, the product is fairly niche and can't grow everything. And we were getting an infinite amount of inquiries. It it was really crazy, the amount of people who were looking to get into this industry. But so we had to turn away customers all the time because they were looking to accomplish a goal that the ZipGrow system couldn't accomplish. And so even though the system works fine and has its applications, we're wondering, you know, how do we solve this problem where these people want to come into the industry and then I have to send them away to a competitor. And so that's how the idea was born to start and flip the model on its head. 
so to speak, of just partnering with all the best in the ag tech space and then reselling, acting kind of as a reseller and educational tool for the people getting into the industry. Usually getting into the industry, the hardest component is that, like you said, it's really new. It's really hard to find the information. So you might have a goal of feeding your city with kale and basil, but you don't know which system is best at doing that. And having been around this long, we know which systems perform, which tasks, and what is best for you. So when the customer comes to us, we advise them on that and we get paid on the back end. So our services are free to the customer. So they know they're getting an unbiased opinion, regardless of, of what they're looking to accomplish. For the benefit of the listener, can you describe uh, what Cultivated does and what your services are? Sure. So our main service is we just basically act as brokers. We've partnered with about 40 of the best companies in the space from hydroponic, aquaponic, aeroponics, container farms, lighting companies, CO2 generators, basically the whole spectrum. So we aim to be a one-stop shop where you can come to us and basically preach to us what your goals are in the industry, whether you want to grow something or you want to do something in a remote location, and then we find the best application for you. We do that service for free. And then we make our suggestions based on what you're looking to accomplish. And then once the sale is closed, we get paid on the back end from the distributor who we've partnered with. And talk a little bit about the early days as you were thinking up the idea, because the, 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 the model that comes to mind, and I've had an, on season one, Henry Gordon Smith of Agriculture, and I know that he does some business, does some consulting services as well, as well as mapping out some ideas. There seems to be a bit of overlap, and, and I don't know if you've had this question before or if you can plan, you know, what some of the parallels are there. Yeah, I feel like their model is kind of the reverse of ours in a sense. So I'm not 100% positive, but from what I can tell, they basically will do consulting on your project based on your goals and then charge you for that. And then they don't get paid on the back end. So we just figured the majority of people getting into the industry are looking to start a farm that's smaller and local. And so maybe they don't have the funds to pay for the consulting upfront. And we really want to help people get into the industry, regardless of what system you're buying, you're being a part of the solution. And so we really want to make sure that people who are coming in are getting the right information and the right education. Unfortunately, we've seen a lot of farms close within a year of them opening because they were not properly educated into what they were getting into. And so that's really the, the bridge that, or the gap that we wanted to bridge. So talk about a typical engagement when farmers are coming to you. How much experience do they have? How much handholding do you do? And you know, talk a little bit about what those early conversations look like. So there's generally about three different types of clients. The first is somebody who's tired of their nine to five, looking to break into this industry and do something that they would be passionate about. They usually have absolutely no clue where to start. And that's where we come in. That's kind of one of the major points of why we started this. And so those conversations take a little while just based on, on how much information they need to know. And that's why we basically just start every conversation with asking them what their goal is. Do you want to feed your entire city? Do you want to feed your family? Do you want to feed? What is the goal? What is the end goal? And then from that, I can start to spin off some ideas. And then whichever one interests them, we can kind of dig into that one more and more until we find the right fit. And then we have customers coming from traditional ag who are seeing that this is now kind of an undeniable thing that it's growing and that they want to at least explore it to not fall behind and to see if there is some benefit to you having partially outdoor and indoor ag. Those conversations are a little bit simpler because they understand ag as an industry. And so that's a little bit of a different conversation. And then we have the mega corporations where we're dealing with huge, huge, huge projects, plenty sized farms at the 100,000 plus square feet where they're looking to feed, you know, entire cities. 
uh, from one project. So we're, we're consulting on quite a few large projects at that. But for the most part, it's people looking to leave their nine to fives from what we've seen. Those little, I don't want to call them little farms, but looking to feed their local communities and make a direct impact where they live. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think people sometimes underestimate the impact that you can have by starting small with some of these container farms. And do you get a sense that people are coming at it from people who have been entrepreneurs before? You mentioned nine to five, but maybe they had started a small business or a franchise before, or are they literally coming in where this is the first time they're going to be in business for themselves? A lot of it's the first time they're going to be in business for themselves. There's something romantic about this industry where when you see the plants growing indoors, I don't know, it's the same. I fell in love right away when I saw it. And I feel like there's a lot of that. And you can see it online, but seeing it up front and right in your faces, there's just something to love about it where you can feel like you're really actually making a change in the world. And then when you really learn about the problems, which I wasn't very educated on, uh, unfortunately, beforehand of how much water shortage there is in the world and how there's no more arable land, population will grow by 50% by 2050, and we need to grow 100% more food. These are problems that cannot be addressed in any other way. So this industry is coming whether you like it or not. And I think that people are realizing that it's time to adapt now because we're running out of time. How much of it do you see as an opportunity for a company like Cultivated to actually provide more education for people about what the opportunities are. Because if you're new to this industry and you're, to your point, discovering it like you did the first time, there's probably a lot of questions you have and probably a lot of material you can provide for people before they even come to you to say, like, is this something you've been thinking of? Well, you should probably ask yourself like these 10 questions or something like that. Yeah. So we're developing materials like that right now. Our team is still relatively small. And so it's been you know, it's a good problem to have, but there's always more work, more work that can be completed. And so we actually do have somebody who's making these educational components for us right now. We're launching our own YouTube. We've got all our social medias that's pumping out educational information all day long. We're really aiming to be the, that edu educational component because one of the biggest issues is that when you come into the industry, if you don't know and you just jump in head first, there's a large chance that you might not succeed because you don't know what you're getting yourself into. And that romance component really can lead you to believe that like, wow, this is going to be so simple. It's automated. I'm just going to grow all these plants are going to grow themselves and, you know, I'll feed my community. But there's still a lot of hard work that goes into this. I think one of the things new farmers in that come into this industry may or may not realize is in addition to learning all the intricacies of how to grow and how to maintain and how to you know keep the lights on, so to speak. Once you do have a crop, you actually have to go sell it somewhere <laughs> if you're not using it to feed a specific audience. And I'm wondering if you know you address those those challenges that people may have. Absolutely. So we have also a few different packages that we offer more than just what we're doing here. We found another issue, like you just mentioned, was that a lot of people will be really good at the farming component when they get into it, even though they have no experience, but they won't be so good at going to sell or less interested in going to sell or the complete opposite. They don't really want to grow it once they get their hands dirty, but they really love going and selling the mission. And so you really need to marry the two together. So we offer farmers as a service. We have about four or five farmers on staff right now who have been growing in hydroponic systems for a few years and basically will rent them to you for three months to a year or even as a full-time position. So when you're investing this money, if you want to train yourself or to train somebody else to be your farmer, we'll send somebody there to make sure that there are no hiccups in the first three to six months of operation so that you're successful 
And then we even offer marketing packages where we'll do your branding, we'll do your logo. We'll explain to you how to go into grocery stores and sell because we've done it in the past with our other companies. So like I said, we're really aiming. I think we've got some pretty ambitious goals, but we want to hit the full spectrum where we can support you head to toe regardless of what your plan is. Yeah, that's really helpful because, and I'm wondering if that's the the salesperson inside of you, think, you know, thinking of like all that experience you have and how you can educate people and probably help them work through that nervousness, especially if it's it, like, we, as we talked about earlier, sales is not a skill that most people are born with. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot to to chew, I guess, but there's so much to learn. And I feel like we've done the legwork ourselves so that we can adequately prepare you for what you're getting into. And so it's really, it's a complex kind of procedure to get from point A to point B. And we want to make sure that when you're getting into this, you really know what you're in for. And so we want to address everything from the growing to the sales side, to the marketing side, because you need every component to go right for you to be successful. And so that's why we wanted to offer all these packages like the farming and like the marketing, because we know that obviously not everyone is great at everything. My partner and I are polar opposites of each other. I'm really good at the sales and business and marketing development stuff. And he's really good at the the technical side and the analysis and all of that. And so we don't work without each other in a sense. And we understand that just because you're starting a farm and just because you're passionate about the industry doesn't mean that you have every single thing available to you and you're great at every aspect of it. And so that's why we want to be able to have somebody on our staff who's able to offer you support regardless of what portion you may not be so good at. It's interesting, the farmers as a service that you're offering, do you now have people who are interested in working in that capacity for you? It's almost like freelance farmers. <laughs> and so yeah. wonder, you probably have people excited to try that out. Yeah, we are hiring for that position. We cannot get enough farmers on staff for that. We have so many requests, almost every single request, especially for the larger projects where they're going to need multiple farmers. They are investing so much money, they are incapable of taking the chance on just hiring somebody new. The problem with this is that it's hard to find somebody with experience in vertical farms. So we're actually planning on launching a farm here where we will be able to train, train new farmers so that we can send them off. And we're actually partnering with another company possibly in the near future to offer training at their facility near us. So we are always looking for people in that capacity, but it is a pretty cool opportunity. We uh, at Zipgrow operated a farm for a full year in Switzerland and we, we're sending farmers there on a 90-day visa to operate it. And so oh, wow. it's a pretty cool opportunity to get paid to go live abroad and grow plants. So, yeah. What's interesting about that model is for people that are interested in getting into the industry, it's a way to get hands-on experience and travel to a different country, <laughs> but also like learn, because probably each installation, whether from a container farm to the big mega farms, they're working with different technologies you know, different tools. I can only imagine like the resume you build up as one of these freelance farmers. If you start to work on these multiple projects, you know, you do a year or two of that and you start to become pretty attractive to some of these other companies, I would imagine. Absolutely. The consulting fees that that these guys can command is, is crazy. And there's such a need for them because the industry is blowing up so fast and there's not enough of these individuals out there. So anyone going to be farmer somewhere is it's going to be a really lucrative position. And like you said, you get to, if you're not tied down, you can travel the world and work with all these different systems. And it's a pretty cool, pretty cool thing. Very nice. The second type you mentioned was the folks that are coming from traditional agriculture. When they see these systems, you know, how much 
exposure have they had? And are they surprised at really what is possible with controlled environment agriculture? Yeah. So when I started in the industry and we would bump into traditional ag, they seemed a little standoffish and they didn't want to admit that there could possibly be something better out there. But indoor ag was never meant to replace outdoor ag. It's uh, you know, it's something that needs to work in conjunction with outdoor ag so that we can all get to the common goal of saving the planet and growing more food and being healthier and fixing food supply chains. There are a lot of issues that are being addressed by indoor ag, but it's never going to replace outdoor ag. So in the beginning, I think there was a little bit of animosity there, but it seems like it's coming around for the most part. What's different in the engagements you have with this second tier of folks coming from traditional agriculture because the people who are coming you know from a nine to five it's almost like they have to learn a lot of different skill sets so where do you focus your time with the people who are making the transition so when you're talking to the people who are from traditional ag i guess they're looking at numbers and just kind of the bottom line a little bit more they are already know how to sell the produce so they don't have any issues with that if they're growing lettuce or what have you in a field, they already have the distributors and they they have the contracts to sell. So whether it's being grown indoors or outdoors, that's not going to change. So they're basically just looking to get to that bottom line and see, okay, what is the return going to be? Is this going to be better? What crops can I move indoors versus what I'm growing now? Or maybe they're growing something that can't be grown indoors, but they would like to branch off into something that can be grown indoors. And so the conversations are a little more straightforward, I guess. Yeah. Is it been far enough along where you're starting to see that conversion of, you know, their traditionally arable land that's been converted into either a hybrid or a fully converted over model of indoor ag? We haven't converted anyone fully away from their outdoor ag, but we have had some people launch in conjunction. So they'll have their traditional farm and then they'll have converted a large barn into an indoor ag project where they can grow something else. I think it's more of kind of an exploratory phase for them right now but we're hoping to see some real adaptation there in the future. And then the third tier that you mentioned was the megacorps, the megaforms. And what's different about the types of conversations you're having with them at that level? So these conversations are obviously a lot different. They're looking to invest hundreds of millions of dollars in some cases. Most of them will be somebody who's a huge food retailer and wondering if they can grow their own produce instead of buying it from somebody else and kind of skip the middleman and become that themselves to cut down on their margins. These conversations obviously take a really long time. Applications at that size are are a lot different, and we're still kind of figuring that out as an industry, I would say. But we are getting a ton of interest from huge businesses like that, a ton, especially like large grocery store chains that are looking to potentially grow their own produce and Mm. distributors, and they're really looking to crack the code and see if, you know, big companies like that obviously care about their bottom line a lot. And if they can make a dent in that, they'll listen to anything. Yeah, because in the same way you're training, like we talked about the farming as a service, there's nothing to say that they just couldn't have a farmer on staff <laughs> who could basically you know, manage their own you know, farm for theirs and to your point, save a lot in terms of, and, and also just the whole supply chain becomes incredibly shortened. The produce is actually fresher. They have that direct connection to the source of their food, which I think is something they're probably finding that's attractive to them. Yeah, exactly. So they would be buying their own supply of food so they don't have to worry about growing too much or growing too little or even the sales process or any of that. So they're basically skipping a step there. And then the average food, I believe, or the average produce travels about 2,000 miles 
anywhere in the world right now. So by the time you get your lettuce or what have you, it's lost its nutrients. The shelf life is four or five days. Whereas when you're harvesting it here, you can cut a head of lettuce or kale and put it in the fridge for 25, 30 days and it's still edible, which is a concept that's so foreign to people because they've, they've never known differently. That's fascinating. Does any example come to mind of some of the conversations you've had recently out of either one of those tiers that's a recent success story? We just sold a fairly large farm in Canada to somebody. I believe he just retired from his job and he, he just wanted to do good in his community. And he said, you know, I've got some money saved up. I'd like to hire some local kids. And I've been looking at this industry. I think maybe his daughter had been growing in hydroponics just a little bit and kind of getting her feet wet and he wanted to support her. And so we just went through the process over the last month and a half. It was a relatively quick process actually. And uh, that will be installed in the very near future. So he's just looking to, he's already talking about expansion, but he's really excited to get going and, and be able to hire kids and, and kind of show that there's a better way of doing things. That's really fascinating and exciting. Can you talk a little bit about the partnerships now? Because you've mentioned several companies that you've worked with and you're continuing to work with. As you were starting Cultivated, you were mentioning yourself that you were relatively new in this industry. How are those early conversations happening? And how are some of these partners looking to Cultivated and trusting that this was an organization that was going to be around for a while, <laughs> that this was someone that you know they could partner with, especially for their own growth? Yeah. So when I was at Zipro, I was fortunate enough to go to a lot of conferences and meet some of these other companies. And we also worked in conjunction with some of them. So we wanted to offer greenhouse solutions, uh, which is how we partnered with Ceres. I had had some conversations with them. Plus, I have a lot of friends in the industry just from kind of bumping into them. And so we also worked with different lighting companies that also wanted us to be a reseller. And so once we got the ball rolling, we actually found that companies were reaching out to us more than I had to go and knock on their door. So now we are getting inquiries all the time from companies saying, hey, we want to get listed. We want to join. We love what you're doing. I mean, they're essentially getting a salesman without the, without the salary. So pretty win-win for everybody. I think that's one of the things this show actually launched in the middle of COVID. And I think that's one of the things that the industry has been mentioning that they miss the most, the the conferences and the ability to meet, you know, fellow folks in the fellow farmers as well. I'm sure it's been a while since you've been, met some of your colleagues in person. Is that one of the things that you're looking forward to as well? Yeah, we're really excited to get uh, to a conference, especially with the new company. We haven't been to a conference as of yet, except we've done a few online ones, but it doesn't have that same feel and that same appeal. So Cultivated is hitting the ground running, so to speak. Can you talk about plans for growth? You're still a small team right now and how you think about growing the team, which you know departments you're focused on and what, if anything, you learned from your experiences at ZipGrow on how to make those hires the right way. Yeah, we have a team in mind, I guess you could say. We conducted interviews before we even really got the ball rolling just to be able to have people ready to go. And we were able to grow out of where we are now. We actually just closed a round of investment a few weeks ago just to mostly use that money for marketing dollars and to grow the team a little bit. So we're really excited. I think you're going to see some really big growth out of us in the near future. The majority of people we're bringing on, like we said, are farmers, but most of those are contractual. So they also help on the education side and develop those materials. And then mostly just a sales team because the entire model kind of revolves around that. And then obviously we have some marketing and social media that's also part of the team. 
And so how do you think about the advances in all the technology aspects of vertical farming, right? Because there's advances in, in the hydroponics, there's advances in lighting, in the climate control. Do you feel like it's really just relying on the partners that you're working with to you know, maintain like best practices and then you as sort of the broker to understand based on what people's needs are at the time they come to you, which of your partners are going to be a good fit depending on what technologies they're working on? Yeah. So we've been in the industry long enough to be able to have a good understanding of what our partners do. We've vetted most of the technology. We've flown out when possible to go vet the tech and to make sure that the partners we were partnering with were the right people. But there's definitely, we tried to pick partners based on who would be able to evolve with us. So most of these companies are looking to, you know, not be stagnant. They want to evolve. They want to update their products. They know the industry is moving really quickly. And so that's kind of how we tried to pick our first partners. It's just anyone who is willing to adapt. So we've worked with some companies where even at Zipgrow, we were discussing that we needed some changes in control or, or what have you. And so some young, hungry companies who were able to adapt and follow the trends of the industry is who we really want to be working with. Who do you follow or how do you keep on with trends and an eye towards like what, because it's to your point, it's changing so fast. Technology changing so fast. A lot of people come, new players coming into the space. So what are you doing as an organization or even individually to keep up to date with what's happening? Yeah, it's a little complex for that. Like I said, the team is, is not where we need it to be as of yet, but we have really good relationships with everyone that we've partnered with. You know, I know everyone really well personally, and we speak all the time. I'm on the phone pretty much from the time I open my eyes until I close them again. And so the conversations are really good. All of our partners are really willing to adapt. And so it makes my life really easy. Everyone in this industry, seemingly that I've met, is just like so kind and so easy to work with. And it's made the transition so simple. We're hoping that's the trend that continues. And we're seeing more and more partners and more companies. We want everyone to succeed. Like I said, everything and everyone getting into this industry is looking to become part of the solution. And so we just want to help in any way that we can. When you think about the pace at which you want to grow cultivated, you did mention a folk, an initial focus is going to be on the sales team. Is there anything else that you feel like you should be looking out for or anything that might be an area of concern? You know, obviously there's always the worry that you might grow too fast and not make the right hires. Yeah, we definitely don't want to do that. We're, we kind of want to make sure that we don't outpace ourselves. So we're, we're pretty careful with that. My partner had, I think this is his fourth ag tech venture and we've been in business for a little while now and I, we've found some pretty good success by taking our time. So we're just looking to kind of replicate that and just to make sure that we we're really cautious and that we do grow with the right team we've been fortunate, very fortunate in the past of really hiring the right people. And so the team that we have right now is amazing. And we have a couple people in sight that we'd like to bring on in the near future. And so we're hoping that that'll be the right fit as well. Having been new to the industry and, and literally coming up to speed very, very quickly, this is now your second ag tech company that you're working in. Can you think of any relationships or any people that you've met that would fall under the role of like mentor or someone who's helped you along the way? My co-founder for the most part, since he got me into the industry, but we had conversations with a lot of other companies, Nicola at Contain. I was actually just speaking to her earlier oh, yeah, about great. this company. Yeah, she's been really awesome to work with. And so there have been quite a few people 
everyone's really open to having the conversation. It seems like this industry is growing really quickly, but no one is really cutthroat. I think everyone really understands that it's for the greater good. And so people are generally pretty good about helping each other. Yeah. And, and I wonder how great that is because it's not something that you hear of a lot of industries. And I think it's exciting probably when people understand that you can pick up the phone and call one of your colleagues in the space and ask them for advice. Because I think the consistency that I've seen throughout these conversations is that everyone feels like everyone else is needed to solve this food shortage problem and, and this you know distribution problem. And there's a whole list of things that can be fixed. And I think the more people that are in the space, and that's what I hear consistently, the better for everyone. Yeah, I think maybe it's because the industry is still so new, but it just feels like there's room for all of us. So everything has been simple because of that, I think. But there's still so much room to grow. There's no need for anybody to really be cutthroat or manipulative in any of these situations. So it's really nice to be able to call even a competitor or whoever and just have open discussions about something like this. So we've really had no issues in, in launching this. And even when I was at Zipro, we never really had any issues with anybody else. So it's kind of nice to see. Maybe it's just, uh, you know, I, I haven't been in business super long. So I've, I've been pretty lucky to have everything go so smoothly this far. But we're super excited for what the future holds. That's great to hear. What's a, a tough question you've had to ask yourself recently? I guess maybe just in terms of, of how quickly we're growing. I think we kind of touched on this too, but just being cautious that we don't or that we do it the right way. It's easy to get blinded by how quickly you grow. So, you know, we make a few sales and we raise some money and it's easy to just think of jumping right in head first and just hiring a bunch of people and going all out and seeing how fast you can get there. But it's really important to to stay grounded and to make sure that you do it the right way so that you have continued success and you're not just kind of a, a one-hit wonder, which is what we really want to achieve here. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you were an avid reader. Do you still have time to read? So yeah, I'm, I kind of have the problem where every time I go to a bookstore, walk by a bookstore, I'll buy a bunch of books and they just end up on the shelf because I have enough time to read them all. And most of my reading now is consumed by stuff in the ag tech industry. So more of a kind of an articles than novels, but every once in a while I managed to sneak one in. What's something you've read recently? I actually just read Houdini's biography. Not too long. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Do you like biographies? I will read basically anything I can find. <laughs> Have you picked up all the cool tools for how to make your reading more efficient? I'm a bit of a productivity nerd. So there's a Chrome plugin called Instapaper. So if you're reading a blog post, you can literally tag it and it'll save it for later. I've used Blinkist, I think it's oh, yeah. called, where it'll just like flash the one word. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. And then you can read like 300 words a minute or something. Yeah. So, yeah, I use that for a bit. It's like, it's a little tiring, but yeah, uh, yeah it's a kind of a information overload. But it's cool that we're heading towards stuff like that. Well, there's Instapaper. And then another tool that I like is Readwise. Readwise connects to all your reading services. So Pocket, Instapaper, Kindle. So when you make a highlight in a Kindle book, It'll surface in your Readwise, and then Readwise is an app on your phone, and every day it says, hey, do you want to look at all your highlights from all the books you've read previously? And so it's a nice way to kind of like resurface like the best parts of the books that you like. Yeah, that's cool. I'll have to check that out for sure. <laughs> so well, I want to thank you for taking the time. I'd, I'd like to also announce that uh, we are partnering with Cultivated for season three to sponsor the Vertical Farming Podcast. So I want to thank you and Eric for that and looking 
forward to spread the bird about what you guys are doing at, at Cultivated. So we'll have some more to come from that in a future episode. But what has you most excited when you think about the future of vertical farming? I think we're most excited, honestly, about the education component. We just want to make sure that everyone who's getting into this is getting the right fit for them. Everyone who's getting into this has a passion to do good. And so they deserve to be educated properly so that they have the best chance of success. And so that's really the main component we want to focus on. That's what we're most excited about. We have all this knowledge and it was not super easy to come by. And we are able to speed up that process and really educate everyone coming in. So that's what we're looking to do. So where's the best place for folks to learn more about Cultivated and to connect with either you or Eric? So if you just go to cultivated.com, you can see a list of our product offerings and reach out to us that way. But we've got uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everything. We post on there just some little educational tidbits, posts about our partners. And then we've got some press releases coming soon for our funding and just announcing all of our partnerships. We're still relatively new, so we're trying to get all that out. It's a lot, but it's, uh, it's exciting. And it seems like with this new influx of, of the investment, we'll probably see more of Cultivated from a marketing perspective as well. Yeah, absolutely. The majority of the funding is going directly into marketing. We just want to get the word out there. We're here to help. So, Well, Eric, thanks again for taking the time. I really appreciate you sharing your story and the story of Cultivated with the, our audience. Thanks for having me. It was fun. So thanks again to Eric for coming on the show. And thanks again to Cultivated for being a fantastic sponsor for season three. If you're looking into a vertical farm and don't know where to start or which technology would suit your needs, make sure you reach out to them today. The best part about it is that their service is free and it's because they work on behalf of their partners. So head on over to cultivated.com. Just leave off the last E. That's C-U-L-T-I-V-A-T-D.com. Fullcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Sign up for a free podcast brainstorm at fullcast.co forward slash VFP15. Another reminder, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP. We'll be sure to read those out on future episodes. I do realize there's a lot of uh, calls to action at the end of this episode, but one more I mentioned last week is the new chat tool we're testing out called Bunches. If you go to bunches.chat as the URL forward slash vertical farming, we've had a couple of people and listeners join recently, so it's an experiment to see if we can engage more as a community. Tune in next week for my conversation with Nico Kivioha, CEO of NetLed. Until we meet again, here's to your health. Thanks for listening. To read the full show notes for this episode, which includes any links mentioned in the episode, as well as a full show transcription, visit verticalfarmingpodcast.com. There, you can sign up for our email list to be notified when new episodes are published.